0: So I got COVID y'all I have it right now uh, I was pretty sure I had it You know I woke up with all the symptoms My throat was sore I was coughing I uh, started speaking a different language uh, I couldn't smell out of my dick You know So shit was pretty weird when I got tested Turns out I wasn't just sure I was COVID-19 positive positive. <laughs> and I've been holding on to that joke For almost a year now Waiting to t- say it God damn it. Finally glad I can say it. I'm fine. I will be okay. Okay. I'm feeling alright. I'm not feeling bad. Got A little cough. Ain't nothing bad, man. I mean, I know a lot of people have had it worse, but I hope this is just the extent of it. I hope this it don't get much worse than this. I hope this is just where it stays at. Because you know what? I don't mind being locked in my house for a week and a half. Because that means I can just get shit done, son. That I, I, mean, I get to do more podcasting. You know what? I enjoy doing it. I'm glad y'all are here. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Talks with Taboo, y'all. Happy Thursday. It's almost the weekend. Shit, every day is f- going to feel like a weekend for me while I'm here. But fuck it. But fuck it. But fuck it. But fuck it. I don't know. But my guest this week, dude... Is a fucking legend. Before I introduce this, my, my guest, I gotta say my new song, Drugs, is out now on Wakan. It's a collaboration with Champa. It's an awesome track, y'all. Go check it out. Glad to finally get it out. But my guest this week, dude, is somebody who I'm a massive fan for. I have so much respect for. You know what I'm saying? Grammy winning, Grammy nominating, you know, working with people who I admire, like Diplo and fucking Dylan Francis and getting to work with pop singers making bangers left and right making dope house music, dope side projects this man does it all and he's interesting as fuck and he's a nice ass guy, he seems like a really good guy, I really did enjoy this conversation um you know, I feel like what what you see is what you get with this guy and he just seems you see a good guy and I feel like that's just who he is So I'm just going to let the episode get going. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Nitty Gritty. What's up, man? And the name's Mitch, dude. I uh, I I don't know if I, I, I what, 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 what's your yeah, name I,
1: though. My my name is Ricky, bro. You can call me Ricky for sure.
0: Ricky, dude. All right, Ricky, man. Um, it's, it's nice it's nice to uh, formally meet you, man. Uh, I'm a big fan. Have been for a long time. I love your whole grind, dude. You have so many you have your hand in so many different things. You know, wanted to talk about all that. You know, want to talk about the things you've been doing lately. But before I uh, even do any of that, I just want to thank you for coming on the show, man. It's it's awesome to be able to sit down and talk to you.
1: Yeah, hundred percent, man. Likewise, I, I, aside from, you know, enjoying your music, I, I find this whole like type of thing, like really, really fun, man. You're, you're funny and you like hang out with all these people. It's that's a, I want to do this eventually. It's just like, as you know, a lot of work and I was streaming and stuff, but this is the type of shit I can't wait to do just like podcasts and sh- actually like interacting with other musicians and stuff is super fun.
0: Yeah. It has been fun, man. But I mean, yeah, just from like the outside looking in, you look like a guy who's not afraid of a little bit more work. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> dude. No, so I mean,
0: no, you go ahead, man. I I totally interrupted you, man. No, I just no, it's all good. Go ahead. I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. You know what I'm saying? I like doing that in public <laughs> when I fuck up, just like saying I'm stupid. And I forgot what movie I got that from, but dude, yeah, it's funny just getting the reactions <laughs> from everybody, seeing what happens. <laughs> and if I cough during uh, this a bunch, I apologize. I have COVID. I found it out yesterday. Uh, I'm fine. Oh, though. you really got it? Yeah, I found out yesterday I have it. I'm fine. I'm not r- really showing that many symptoms. I just got a low cough. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, and it, that ain't going to stop me. That ain't going to stop me from doing this today because I was looking forward to I, it.
1: Yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you. We've been rescheduling, so I appreciate you having me, man.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, dude, I mean, I want, there's so many things I want to get into with you today because you're a guy who has his hands in just so many different avenues inside of the music industry, whether it's being just a straight dubstep guy, which, I mean, you do sometimes, where you're this pretty melodic guy, you have house shit going on, you produce for pop artists, you work with other big producers. So my thing, basically where I'm trying to get is, is how are you able to branch out to doing things like pop and working with, like, you know, all these different singers and all these pop producers and stuff like that. Uh, you know, just being a producer, like, a team of producers. Because a lot of, you know, electronic guys and dubstep guys, whether they're making house dubstep or feature bass, whatever it may be, you know, that's usually what they stay in. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to figure out how it is you, you got your hand in these situations and, 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 and what you, you know,
1: did to just, you know, prove yourself and all that jazz. Um it so like ironically i didn't even make electronic music or did i okay okay so like literally back to the beginning okay i found like you know screw stuff but i was in bands but then when i started producing it was like yeah like horrible 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 ripoff dubstep but then honestly i got more back into like making music and producing little demos and stuff like that and then um i would try and make certain like genres and you know progressive house was big melodic dubstep was big like the old wave not like the new wave of it like which is both amazing but there was like that first seven lines wave we're at really into it and so during that whole time i was doing like pitbull remixes or like you know just random stuff anyways just to do it and from the beginning i was producing for like you know small artists that were just friends in florida Um, because that's pretty much where i started my music career is florida I moved here for college and by the time I had like gone to a studio I was making like hip-hop beats like shitty though horrible like everything was just bad no it was low level but I was doing the same thing I'm doing now it's just now I'm finally good at it so I actually have been doing that from the very beginning I didn't actually just make dubstep make trap make thing and just you know sit there doing all these crazy samples and sound design I was actually like today I'm gonna try and make a crappy rap beat and today's gonna be crappy dubstep and then it all became decent dubstep and decent hip hop and now it's like good dubstep and good you know everything's at least on a good level so it was like I kind of did it from the beginning like that and each level built up with itself because I guess like the way it works is for me is one thing will build the other up so like I will do a track with a you know say a remix for seven Lions. that one gave me you know this song that had million plays on soundcloud to send to somebody like or for somebody to see like DJ Mustard and then he, Mustard hit me up and he had all these hip hop beats at the time, but wanted me to do remixes. Then we did Beyonce and a Jack U remix and or Beyonce and something remix. And then because I had that, then I went back to here and I said, hey, I've worked with this guy and did this. And then, then you know, it's just been building on each other. So like I use the dubstep and the trap stuff to get to the pop and I use the pop stuff back and forth. So they kind of just like build off of each other where like I have a really good team. My I have two managers and my first manager that I had before my second one basically helped, you know, just solidify my mind is I like to do kind of all of it in an organized fashion one at a time. Obviously, I don't like try and overkill myself, but I focus on something for a little bit, then I move on and I just go back and forth. And my creativity, like, I don't know, like works way better for me like that. Like right now I'm on this like kick of like making like this, like rock project for myself. But in the meantime, I was sending demos to like uh, um, like an acoustic singer, Ed Sheeran type person last night. And nice. I'll just make a couple loops and then go back to what I was on. And then like three or four weeks ago, I was like making house for side piece because we have like, you know, new releases coming out. and We had these sessions on Zoom and stuff. And then the next day I'll just try and mix it up. But if I, you know, it's, it's kind of like it helps me to stick to uh, staying creative. I never get really – like any ruts where you know people get writer's block if i get a writer's block i just move on because i might have it in dubstep but i'm not gonna have it in every genre yeah like just because you're not doing good pop doesn't mean you can't go make good hip-hop stuff so if i suck at this today and i'm not good at it i just you know i put my that same energy somewhere else because not it's not happening today for this so it's like to me that's what made you know I'm staring at all the, I have this like whiteboard of all these songs I'm going to release. And it's like, that one's Future based, that one's Heavy Dubstep, that one's, you know, House. And I I just do those by myself to, or not by myself, like these are collabs. But I mean, I do those in my head to balance out each other. And after, you know, eight years, they all end up sounding good. So like people find it difficult, I think, to change genres. You're going to do the same thing I did. You're going to suck at it my house music wasn't good. My dubstep wasn't good. My pop wasn't good. And then slowly I just, I focused on every single one of them a little bit at a time. And at least, you know, now I don't think I'm the best dubstep producer. You know, I don't think I'm the best pop producer. I don't think I'm the blah, 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 but overall my goal is to be the most well-rounded. So I can like, you know, I want to win producer of the year at the Grammys. Like that's one of my all-time goals is like the most well-rounded hard, like in a, in a shell like this, you know what I mean? Where, like, to, it'll finally hopefully get to a point where I am at the top, you know, at least competing with the best. So I don't really need to be number one in each of those genres, but I want to be, like, the top five in all those so that it kind of encircles this thing. Plus, I honestly just enjoy it. Yeah. So maybe I can't help it because I I just want to do it because I, I enjoy doing it. But I think that's about the clearest way to describe why I do all those things. And, you know, but looking back, I'm glad I did it because it looked not, I don't know, I'm sure you can tell I'm probably explaining one of these questions, but the the difficulties of that also suck because it took me way longer and it's still taking me longer to get people to understand that. Yep. So I, I might just look like a little, you know, trap dubstep house DJ to most people and telling the rest of that story is tough. And now at least I have side piece to prove like, oh, look, I can do a whole project on tech house and i love house music that's one of my first loves in electronic music i want to do something with rock same way where i just want to keep you know sh- showing to the public oh i enjoy this i enjoy these slowly do the branding you know what i mean it, it yeah. takes a little bit to catch up i guess
0: no for sure man you you probably have no idea no idea how much other producers needed to hear that, you know, whenever you have a block, you don't get in the rut, because you just go try something new, man, that was something that I found out, like, in the last year and a half, or something like that, I, uh, was just strictly making bass music, but then I started making, like, you know, hip-hop beats, and then last, like, uh, the end of last year, I made a comedy album, where it's just, like, a musical comedy thing, But it's like it had like rock, pop, hip-hop, metal, country. It had all of it on it. And I never hit a rut because I'm trying all this new shit and then I could go back to my bass music stuff. And that's when it all really clicked. I'm like, oh, fuck, man. The only reason I'm getting stuck on certain things it's because i'm trying to make a certain thing you know what i mean yeah focusing just on one thing where i could just be focusing on being creative having fun trying new shit getting better at you know recording or processing vocals little things like that man so you have no idea how many people need to hear that shit because i tell people like that all the time when they tell me tell me that they're in a rut i'm like that's just because you you you're trying to stick to one thing
1: yeah it's like it's like a flow like um how, what is this like a like no bars hold like we talk about whatever the fuck type stuff Dude, or, like, say the whatever matter?
0: the fuck you want smoke meth okay Zayden, okay,
1: okay? <laughs> yeah so like well no i mean i'm not even like that i, I, I'm I know a I'm just, it's not really dirty like that but I'm just, I'm just right, pray, i just i just keep You i say oh um, <laughs> praise the lord then let's keep it going <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll, we'll see um no but basically i was saying uh, f- uh, it's a good story for a podcast so, like i've really never done any drugs and not that should be surprising, but most people just have this thing. Oh, all DJs, especially electronic music, smoke weed and do all shit. I've, I've only smoked weed like three times. And I'd, I had never done any drug until I went on this RV trip during uh, like corona. We, me and my boys just went on an RV trip. And
0: now something I was going um, to talk to you about too was this RV trip. Yeah, yeah. No, it's,
1: a, it's coming out soon, so but we can talk about it anyways. But um, sure. on that trip, I did shrooms because I was like the one I kind of researched and talked to people about. And I did shrooms and I was like okay, so let me just see how this one is, because I just want to, like, kind of experience in a crazy time, you know, going in there for a reason. I wasn't just doing it for any other reason, except I'm on an RV trip. I was in the Joshua Tree in the desert, pretty much in LA, and um, all all that to say, like, when I tripped, and, and I've done it, like, you know, three or four times since then, and I've learned that helped me to understand how I do that musically, is I just kind of go with the flow. So, like, when i had did the first trip it was a little more powerful so like i've kind of died down because i'm not really like that i can't do heavy heavy stuff so the first time it was like a little stronger for me and i was like trying to fight it because i was like dude i'm not used to this like i'm going crazy like not crazy crazy but it was like a rough beginning of the trip for me and then slowly as it like you know came down a little bit um i started like all right i have to just go with the waves if i'm laughing i gotta keep in that laughing mood i can't go do this type of mood and trippy mood if I'm in the laughing wave. And then the next wave would be like the trippy wave where we're all looking at shit and it's kind of like, you know, messing with your head. And then I would go into that. And so like, I learned that and it's funny you say like, you know, you're not gonna get in a rut if you just let that flow with how you're you're thinking musically. Because if I know for a fact, I really wanna be a a Drake style person today. And somebody tells me you have a dubstep tune due tonight. There's no way I can't do the dubstep tune. I'm in the mood to make something that sounds like Drake with Travis Scott. How the fuck am I going to transfer? Like, it's going to be tough. So like, you know, there's, there's obviously exceptions. You're going to have to like, if you have a deadline, you got to do it. I'm not saying not to do that, but most of the time for us producers, we have a life, you know, even if you have day jobs still forget aside from the day job, when you get home, you have freedom to do that. So it will kind of let yourself go with the flow. I'd say is the best like example.
0: Yeah. Dude, so on on the mushroom thing, man. So I I took a strong strong break for like 4 or 5 years from doing any psychedelics and got back into doing them. Uh just like, you know, almost like not like just for fun purposes, but for like medical like not medical, but just like I guess spiritual reasons, you know what I mean? Uh during COVID is whenever I started it back. Yeah, I I feel like like, everybody
1: tried everything. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And so I felt like after I got done with shrooms, like after that, I hated, I hated the actual tripping part of it. Cause I felt like I was, there'd be like an hour of where I'm just freaking out and I don't want to talk to anybody. And then after that, I'm good. Like I'm laughing. And I felt like my favorite part of doing that, that psychedelic is whenever it's done, I feel like everything's a lot clearer. I know what I have to do in life. I know where I'm lacking. I know, you know, what what needs what's the next step. Was that one of the reasons you were doing it and did you have that type of experience after you had did mushrooms?
1: A lot of people told me to go into it like that and it was good advice. Um I'm a pretty I I don't want to act like that's really the main reason. I kind of just like it's my first time doing any drug. Yeah. This should be the first one. Let me try it and um now I kind of use it recreationally. I, I wouldn't say that I don't do. I don't. I don't even remember because like there's some in my fridge, and I don't even remember how much I take. But it's like, dude, it's like not even like like not even a gram. Like way less than like for to feel it. So like mine is recreational. It's like I get tipsy on mm-hmm. shrooms, and I I laugh. So like when I did that first one, it was a bit too intense for me. I wasn't a huge fan. It it there was some stuff that I was thinking about and understanding, but I'm kind of already always in my life, you know, spiritually thinking and praying about things that are that getting guidance. So I'm kind of, I do that in my own way, which is more towards, you know, God, I yeah. do that. So I don't necessarily think of drugs as it, but I, I just consider it a recreational thing. I'd say that I did it, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't feel like it's, it's wrong to be honest for, you know, me to have enjoyed that in a sense, you know, if you're getting addicted to anything, that's where I think your, your, your limit and balance should be set but um I guess a lot of people have told me that they've found a lot of truth and it's opened their eyes but I guess I it's it's been tough for me to want to go that extreme again because it was yeah. just a lot on my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and, um, and, and, and yeah, and you yeah already I'd say have it was like more your... recreational.
0: You already have, like, that spiritual balance, too. And that was another thing that I liked about you Know, You know, you're really open about, like, your faith and stuff like that. And 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 me, man, I feel like for the longest time, I was just kind of anti any of that. And I think, like, in the last, like, two years, I've really turned around to where, like, sometimes I'll catch myself, like, praying. And I don't know if I'm praying necessarily to, like, a Jesus Christ or anything like that. But I just feel like there's something else. And I feel like that many times I feel so – I feel blessed. And I'm like, that, you know, there's something – helping me be this blessed or something, you know, watching over me. And I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily know what it is. And I'm still trying to figure that out, but I have been a lot more open to stuff like that. You know what I mean? And, and, and all that jazz. So how old are you? I'm 25.
1: You're 25. Yeah. I'm 26. Yeah. I think uh, that the gratefulness and um, contentedness, especially for people like us that are, you know, I'm not saying like A-list, but you know, semi-successful musicians, in a sense, we make money and we can live our life with it, whether or not we have extra income. I'm just saying we get to do this in a spotlight and we enjoy it. That comes with gratefulness. Yeah. I think most people either, you know, ignore that and then start to be arrogant and cocky and cause it gets the other side of it. And the one side is, you know, you feel good and you're happy and you want to like do something about it and tell people I'm grateful, or you just like go deeper into your hole of I'm amazing. And everyone tells me I'm amazing every day. Yeah. So like, I'd say it's like a good sign that, you know, exactly. You don't have to know who you're praying to in the beginning. It's the same thing as like, you don't know, like the back to the music thing, you don't really know what song you're going to make, except you're in this mood to make this style. So like, you could, you know, react to it the same way where like, I don't know why I'm feeling grateful, but let that out. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy. You know, I, I, I'm a big, like manifestation type of like, not like I'm, I don't know. Like I I'm, still like faith-based so i wouldn't say i'm like you know energy type of you know you know what i'm talking about i don't know what the difference is and like oh i'm manifesting and i believe in energies that's not i'm definitely believe in god but i do believe in saying things that will come true and putting them out there very firmly i've done that multiple times or dreams visions all that stuff like dude if you pay attention my manager is like super in tune actually both of them are very in tune but my manager cheryl is a. Uh, you know, she's a grandmother. So she's like, she's lived her life, but now she's, you know, managing artists. And um, she's so in tune that, you know, same with same as you, she tells me the same thing. I'm I'm one of the few people that I've ever talked about God in front of her. And she's just very intuitive. And since, you know, we've known each other for years now, we're pretty much family, you know, her stuff rubs off on me and my own on her. And, her intuition has rubbed off on me in a sense where I get it. And I feel like I've proven to her that it is a spiritual and a godly thing that we are given those gifts. So like, whether or not, you know, you don't have to believe it's Jesus or Buddha, but you know, whoever that you guys are going to end up believing, I definitely think it's a gift that like everybody has that type of thing where you can be, you know, manifesting and being intuitive. And I guess uh, to give an example if I'm talking so much crap, that doesn't make sense to give a very direct example like me saying out loud I'm gonna win the grammy for best dance recording this year like I've been saying that and been like if it doesn't happen that's okay but I've just been that energy I've been like yo I'm gonna win this grammy I'm gonna win this grammy it's not gonna make or break my life so I'm not like depending on it I just want to get it out there that yo I'm gonna win this grammy and like hopefully next week you know and you air this like I've won that thing and it's gonna kind of like be a part of that but if not it's still okay I just I don't know, I'm very big into those types of things and, and paying attention to like, oh, why did this happen? It wasn't a coincidence. The fact that met Diplo did this, we did the song side piece, you know, adding things up, I'm just very big proponent to those things. I I think it helps and paying attention, like you said, like gratefulness and being happy about that. That's the literal start of it. Of you're going to like notice like, oh, the person that helped me at this time in my life, now their son did this or I don't know, just things start connecting. To a point yeah. where you can't ignore it anymore, and you're like, "It's just truth." Like, I'm not crazy. There's something out there is helping us. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Where you're like, "This, this is just this isn't just a coincidence." Uh, but I do, I do like what you said exactly. about about manifesting, man. I did the same thing, but I, I have this goal board in my room. You know, you said you had a whiteboard with your songs. Mm-hmm. I have a goal board where it's like, "I'm gonna to do this by this time. I'm gonna make it like this." So, you know, manifesting. I think either saying a goal or having like a goal where you can see it every day where you, you know, it's, it's something that you write out. It's something that you put into the universe to where it's like, okay, I've said it now I got to do it. You know what I mean? And I feel like there's people Mm -hmm. who think that, Hey, I want to do that. I want to do that. But the power of just saying something or writing it down where you can see it every day, you know, that shit's just so powerful. And, 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 and and it's a motivator because then you really believe it. It's out in the universe. Then you believe it. And if nothing's going to happen, you have to believe it first before you can make other people believe it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've been, like, the, the The project I told you about that's, like, kind of rock-based is um, something I've been, like, super excited. I've been, like, watching all these documents, like, you know, Billie Eilish or, you know, just, like, all these newer ones that I was curious about. And I started, like, being honest with myself, like, wow, after, not after, but during um, my DJ and producer life in electronic music, I'm going to be working on this so hard that I want it to be you know, bigger than anything I'm a part of right now. Like I'm looking toward that to be like, this was nitty gritty. Holy shit. That's a whole nother level. Like I want, I don't know. I'm thinking that I want something bigger than this. And it's like, it's been really refreshing and actually, and ironically, it sounds like I would be giving up on any, but it's actually helping me do better on making music for that as well, because I'm so like, I guess, excited right now about these things. So it's like, they're kind of all building each other up where I'm just like, all right, I really want to get to this, but I got to make this one work first. So let me make nitty gritty as banging as possible, the biggest cap I can do for this style genre, and then move on. Because it's like I, I don't want to like force it, but it's like it's been fun to like start dreaming again. I'm basically dreaming about stuff that I used to when I wasn't a DJ. I used to dream about headlining, fat, doing what I'm doing now. And now I'm like I've lost that childish dreaming thing. And dude, yeah. the last week I've been like same thing like right back like I don't know I was like tweeting the other day about how like I want to be hungry like I have like no followers again because I like during quarantine I got I don't know just like a little lazy and then I remembered on tour I was just like getting used to it play a show every weekend play a festival every weekend and I like kind of got numb to it and then since we haven't had shows in so long I've been like hungry again like damn bro I want to get out there I want to get stuff going I want to be
0: back better than ever
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's been it's been fun to kind of get that back and like, I don't know those those dreams that you have some most people that are up and coming have them right now. So it's good. But once you go through a little bit of success, it's hard to have it the whole time. So I feel like I'm rebuilding it.
0: Yeah, no, I, I love that, man. So let me ask you this, like what, this rock project that you're talking about, even with stuff like Side Piece, why, because I know Sp- Side Piece is a duo. Uh, so why yep. why wouldn't it be, you know, this rock project under the Nitty Gritty project or why wouldn't the Side Piece be Nitty Gritty uh, and the other artists and stuff like that? Because I'm kind of running into the same... I won't say like issue, but I, I, you know, something that me and my management team are trying to figure out is how the hell are we going to put this comedy album that has no electronic music out, out as taboo. You know what I'm saying? Is this even taboo? And and that's what I, you know, maybe that's like a realization you had when you're doing this, or is it just a totally different thing for you? Or did you ever have this idea of like how could I, why not do this as nitty gritty? Because at the end of the day, you know, it's us who decides what music we put out. And you know you have done a great job with not pigeonholing yourself to just a style of music that you can create because you've put out you've put out a rock EP as nitty gritty you've put out dubstep pop hip hop all that jazz and so why wouldn't you just continue that as nitty gritty and and I, and the, 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 my tone at the end of that question didn't sound like a question why would you do an as nitty gritty <laughs> that's
1: weird <laughs> no it makes sense it makes sense um. I'm literally in that struggle with you right now, but I could say with like eh, 75% uh, insurance, I guess on it is that I'm going to separate the The main reason is because uh, I, I learned from doing side piece basically. So we made side piece and we took the risk, both of us, and party favor actually had a great point when we first started. Cause i was like i kind of knew when i had on my mind it was a big record so i did it with diplo and um like i made the track and then uh diplo found this crazy vocal sample and we we had it just lying around like a demo and that was like three years ago like along long and we, i went to bali with him for like a writing camp yeah and um a writing so camp. i had I want, that
0: i want to talk about that in a second but continue the story yeah we could get
1: into those yeah yeah, yeah but, but yeah for sure the story, yeah. a lot of fun writing camp stories um so like, essentially I showed Dylan some of my tech house, like not nitty gritty house, like, you know, weird wonky stuff that I reserve that for nitty gritty. I had this project that's like, you know, Fisher and Chris Lake, it's not, not gonna be in the base world at all. And so I was like, I know how these people are. They're very specific and picky. Like, it's not a good idea to jump into that. So I already had the idea. And then Dylan said the same thing, but he showed me identical styles our next record is like three years ago that he showed it to me. And that was the day we showed each other a couple songs on my mind and temptation was one of them temptation comes out next. Um, and we both were like, dude, why don't we just make a side project? That's like, I, I wanted to call it side project as a joke, like side project. It's our side project. And then he said, what about side piece? And I was like, Oh shit, that's genius. Sounds cool. And then that we took the risk to, all right, let's restart. Even though we both have, you know, thousands of followers. Let's see what happens if we restart. And lo and behold, because people didn't realize it was us from the beginning, there was no preconceived you know, conception. And by that, no misconceptions. So nobody was caring that it was tech house. It's that it was good music and people that liked that music liked it. End of story. No rebuttals. No, I missed the old Kanye fucking this Kanye, this, that, you know, there's none of that. It was great then we put out on my mind obviously with a huge artist you know Diplo and because people know him but not us all it did was just blow us up essentially to a level not even as big as Nitty Gritty or Party Favor at the time but now because even though i feel like it has less followers and stuff it has this momentum that is just so different you know what i mean it's yeah. it's underdog momentum it's like I always use this example of like you know in football, you don't throw the ball where the player is because they're moving, you have to throw it in front of them, yeah, so right now it might look like side pieces back here, but we're basically a wide receiver about to hit a touchdown, and the ball's just in there, so we're basically just going to meet each other there, yeah and it's going to be hopefully going around all this other stuff that we're doing, but that that to me is the best example of why restarting can be amazing and I was a—I trust me I was a huge believer that I was like, I'm gonna do everything under nitty when I was younger and like I kind of learned to accept that I enjoy and I still kind of do it with nitty just to like do it because like like you said I even though it's electronic I try and do as much as like I, I treat nitty-gritty as like the funniest shit I'll ever do I'll never have any more fun than doing nitty-gritty because there's no rules bro I literally just like you said i have done rock stuff you know what i mean i do joke shit i do stupid edits like i don't really care in a good way i don't care yeah um but when it comes to something like side piece or this other rock project which is very different than what i've already released i treat both of these like a whole you know like the rock one i've been thinking of i have like a whole basically like i have a whole music video done already i have all these like outfits lined up and all these things where i have these like you know, styles and things in my head like this, like James Bond meets James Dean meets fucking the killers, you know, just this whole idea in my head that I want it to be straight down the middle, one thing and one thing only on purpose. And to relate it to you, if you're a comedy thing that you have this full vision for it, and like, you're funny, dude, so it kind of makes sense to me, even though it's close to taboo, and you've like hinted at it, same thing as me, I had done that little rocky p i hinted that i can do this but it, it never really took off you know it was just a little tester and now i'm still nitty-gritty the dubstep trap house future based guy right so probably similar thing for you or like people know about this but if you were to restart as much as your fans will know it's you there'll be a whole new crowd in my opinion to catch on but they have no it's just you know oh, on, oh shit no on shit. how you how much you care about the unbiased opinion yeah.
0: Nah, you broke up for a second there, but I think I got most of everything that you were saying. Yeah, and, and, and all that makes fucking damn good sense. I just, I guess it sometimes I just don't like the idea of being pigeonholed. It's just like, I feel like if I can't put out a record that's just completely different from myself... Like from what I've always done, it's like I, then it's just like this is the style that I'll always have to make. You know, that's that's like a that's like a that's like a fear of it. You know what I mean? Like, and then I'll but but then I will also look at people who who did try something different. It didn't work. Like when that whole shit would get her. You know what I mean? Like that shit was um, you know, also a good example. And so I guess like sometimes I just get nervous about just getting a little pigeonholed and um, you know, where it's like, oh wow, this is like the only style I can put out is
1: taboo. But there's actually good. So I, I know what you're saying with like his like rap stuff, like, he, like, uh, what's it called? I know what you're talking about. Like, it's actually really dope music, but it, I guess it's I'm the, not talking about his rap stuff. Bullied.
0: I'm talking about his, uh, oh, no, yeah, it was, it was
1: his album, uh, versatile or, 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 oh, visceral. visceral oh, yeah. yeah. Time. Oh, you just being people hating on it because it's not the same style of music. Right. So I had a good point for this. So that's obviously an example. And as much as it's been hated, I do know a lot of people that are new, f- you get, you get new fans, new waves, same thing. But Porter Robinson is a the best example ever of a switch up, bro. I think people forget Porter was literally electro house. Yeah. So the corniest electro house, like not. I'm kidding. It wasn't actually. It was amazing at the time, but it wasn't like anything like what he did. And he nobody even, you know, people just like are fine with it. And that, and you're able. So, like to me, I think you might be having. A harder decision because you could pivot by doing some funny stuff like that and and people could thoroughly enjoy it because I feel like your your stuff like this your podcast you're always joking around like your content is already funny so like it might match better than you think versus I was honest with myself and the rock stuff that I did under nitty-gritty that I have released is not the same and nothing the whole vibe of the other project that I'm making now is just I had to be honest with myself. I was like, no, this has to be its own thing. Like I kind of decided it for myself. Yeah. So I think if you want to make it work, you can and be like, you know, fuck it. Taboo is gonna be the funniest DJ alive. I'm gonna literally drop Weird Al (laughs) Yankovic type shit and then drop Excision type shit and then drop you know my shit and then drop how you know whatever you want to do. You can you can still have that open. I think.
0: Yeah, that's true, man. But um, yeah. Enough with all that, dude, because there was something that you mentioned. <laughs> um, you know, you said that the the writing camps that I do want to talk about, but Diplo was something that I actually did want to bring up because, you know, he's a guy that you've worked with a good bit. I feel like, I don't want to say he's taking you under his wing because you were doing your fucking thing, but I, I feel like he kind of branched a you know, introduced you to a lot of people and got your name out there a little bit more. Yeah, how did yeah. you? How did you get linked up with the Diplo guy? And uh, I say the Diplo guy with the Diplos. You know what I mean? How the how Diplo how how that relationship you know come to be? And what's the relationship like now? Just today, are y'all constantly working together? Are y'all constantly talking? Y'all friends? Is it all business? How'd that all get together? Um,
1: yeah, so I sent him an email like three years ago. I, fr- I don't even remember. Oh, this is actually even funnier. I remember, I was talking about, like the the manifestation and the intuition type of stuff. Yeah, I've had a couple of dreams. One, I've had a dream with like Justin Bieber where I'm like homies with them for some reason. That was like a while ago. And around that same time, I had like a a, a dream that I was like boys with Diplo, like just like yeah, what's up, dude? What's, you know, like like just like that. So it's like really funny that looking back and remembering that that's exactly what happened. Weirdly enough, it's like I I can go to his house and just like yo, what's up? Works. She's like, oh, we're like, I don't know, go fucking ride a bike through the hills in LA or, you know, do random shit or the writing camps. Um, So back to the beginning is I sent an email of like edits. So like lights, bootleg, um, and all those ones that did well for me in the beginning, I was just like a really big edit dude. Like I would send, I don't know, I would, I would send like 10 edits to everybody. And then Benzie, you know, has all the edits. So he kind of live dj service for me yeah yeah so then back in the old days when i came up you just had to email your edits to people and then Benzi made it easy and made a whole dope platform so now i don't really have to do it anymore um but that's kind of how i got in the in my in the dms i guess you could say yeah and then from there he was like oh do you want to remix one of my songs and then i made the remix but he never released it and then i followed up and i was like i was like oh here's some beats or something and he was like, oh shit, you made these beats? All right, cool, well, um, something, something. And this is all like long responses. He's not like a, it wasn't like we were DMing every day. Like, hey man, how are you? How's your mom? What's your last name? Like, it was just like every couple of weeks he would just throw me an answer. I'd be like, fuck it, I'll just answer. So over a, a whole year basically of finally like, let's meet up, come show me some music. I go to his house and I don't even meet him. I meet his uh, his publishers. Pretty much. What and then? I, I
0: he's, he said, "Come to my house." And he, he went, sent me to he went,
1: his house, and I met Juba, who's uh now he's like, what does Juba do? Fucking like headache. He's a head and R at like Columbia or something. He's like a big boy dude now. Like he's killing it. Um, not that they weren't already big, but because they were obviously killing it. Um, but i I when I met them, it was a, it was uh it was just funny that I met the publishers, and they're like, oh, so we're actually really interested in a publishing deal where you pretty much just. You know, co-produce with Wes and whoever he works with, and it's and because in the beginning I was like, oh, I, EDM, I can be Diplo's big EDM. So it's very funny that I have a million more times benefited from Diplo in pop music, yeah. Anything else, almost no EDM except now side piece with you know on my mind. But that's the that's years later. Yeah. So like the beginning, I was just producing shit. I worked on two major laser records on their last album three years ago and introduced him to Skip Marley and he was interested in him. So then me and Skip wrote a record. And then I did something with Beam and, you know, some camps like that. So I actually just started writing and, you know, producing pop and hip hop. And then we did the Bad Bunny one. I sent, I remember I sent them that beat and he was like roasting me. He's like, wow, they chose your worst beat (laughs) or some (laughs) shit like that, like back in the day. And it was, it's it's like, it's like pretty funny, the ones that they choose. Um, There's a lesson in that just because you think it sucks, you could still win a Latin Grammy for it. Yeah. That's literally what happened to me. So my, one of my worst beats ever is, is a Grammy-winning song, part of a Grammy-winning album. So whatever, it shit happens. That's um, awesome. So just like a culmination of like over the years getting, you know, and then now it, after a few of those camps, like, and you're not a weirdo, you know, he'll invite you over and you can you can like hang out with people and um, identical situations have happened with people like Dylan Francis and you know we've collabed obviously and he's like a super like they're all really cool dudes like i don't know they're just they were so big in electronic music that i think it was like overwhelming to only do electronic music so they all obviously have pivoted to be doing larger records than just electronic music so it helped me get in the door by actually not even they don't they didn't even care like i'm not saying it to like say they don't like EDM i I'm not trying to drag it or like say that they're dragging it, but honestly, they're not usually excited. You know, there's obviously a banger every now and then that they're like, Oh, that's sick. But what really got their attention, I think from me is that I would just send them beats and send them productions and be able to send a guitar loop to somebody to try and do some Ed Sheeran placement or try and send something for bad bunny, you know, whoever the hell he's working with at the time. So like, those are the things to me that um, helped me build that side of it and then after years of some of those things sitting around you know you pick up on my mind and say oh you know let's release this it's right timing and um that's actually like the first edm dance song i've ever done with west like that is actually public and it's not even a nitty-gritty so it's funny how that works like i did literally beats and production on pop music which i actually am very thankful that he um kind of took me into that world because, you know, now there's just things I'm always trying to write and send to people because, and I have a mindset of, I guess, expanding into other genres and, you know, just learning from a lot of dope producers and stuff. So yeah, it's a very interesting situation when I look back at it, how those types of relationships, I thought were gonna be some way just turned out being like, you know, I was like, oh, he's the biggest, Trap and twerk guy at the time, and I'm like, wow, I'm fucking. I played a country guitar part for him. That's funny, (laughs) or like I did a, a reggaeton beat, or you know some random shit. So it's pretty funny how that works.
0: Yeah, man, it's it's kind of crazy too, because like that's something that not a lot of people realize is like these really big producers have just a team of producers. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Where like they may start an idea and pass it on, or vice versa. You may have an idea, pass it on. It's just like a group of dudes and some people are like oh that's fucking whack it's a lot of people and I'm like hell no that sounds dope like a bunch of like good producers all coming together for like one you know final product it's like that's where you're gonna get the best result that's where you're, it's just like when there's a lot of minds on certain things and I don't get
1: the people who oh, are man. just like
0: oh no that's fucking lame it's a lot of other producers go, ghost writers it's like nah it's just it's just you know a team
1: yeah it's such a ironically I, I still still have recently, I, I really only do for like, you know, a small, small, small amount of people. But I actually do real ghost production versus this one. I don't, it's not because everybody knows it's, it's co-production because, first of all, I'm not doing everything. So it's mm-hmm. definitely not ghost production. Because ghost production, the real definition was you pay somebody whatever thousand dollars and hush, hush, and it's my song. Like that's the original version of it.
0: Per se, is that why you wrote "Hush
1: Hush"? Money? Oh, oh, you know, kind of a little bit. Okay, but okay. There's a couple or- lines and a few songs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's 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 definitely yeah, it's definitely one of those. Um, I guess when I was younger and I was doing ghost production, but I was like smaller. I felt like I was owed, um, like more, and I had this like it's it's hard to you know wipe that one off, but obviously. I feel a lot differently now that I'm matured, but it, it was difficult. There was a lot of times where I was like, Oh man, I'm ghost producing and I could be bigger, but I'm giving them my dope music. But then I don't know. It's just, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm not, I don't think I'm like focusing on that. I don't like thinking of it like that. I like going forward, doing it the right way, which is you just credit people. Yeah. If somebody gives you a dope hook or a dope beat or a dope thing, you just credit them. It's that yeah. simple. And, Kanye, and, and, Drake, everybody, bro. They all do it. Yeah,
0: I get it, man. And sometimes, yeah, I, I, I go as produced for someone for a little bit, and it can be tough, dude. And because you're, you're like, fuck, this is actually dope. I don't want to give this away. You know what I mean? But like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm going to take the money, dude. I mean, sometimes it's tough, man. I mean, sometimes I don't want to wake up unless I'm right next to you, you know? um and i've been mm-hmm. saving i've been saving that line for this entire
1: podcast i'm waiting to say that this entire <laughs> fucking podcast but uh yeah See, man, and that wasn't even me that's jimmy jimmy yeah. wrote that so i got nothing to do with it
0: right on right on. i love that track <laughs> i um it's like whenever it. whenever like i'm around like my sister or like some of her friends and 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 this might I, I swear this is a compliment when i say this it's like they're not big into electronic music or something like that said so like if i want to gradually introduce them i'll put on like that song but like i'll play some nitty-gritty or something like that some hush us money <laughs> you know what i mean all in like i'll play those they're not into electronic and they'll be like oh this is really good i'm like sick so yeah you're like yeah that, you're that artist that i'll turn on for them I don't, I don't turn on like things like crack and shit like that
1: because i'll be like what yeah, the yeah, fuck like, <laughs> i don't who's Murata? what's going on <laughs> Dude, so, all right. Fucking dope-ass
0: story about the Diplo guy. All right, the Diplos, okay? Because he's a fucking legend. People don't give him the respect he deserves. He's paved the way for so many different genre changes and in- musical influences. And, you know, him and Skrillex really gapped a lot of the electronic EDM worlds together whenever they worked with Bieber. Like, that wasn't a, a hit... Like, a, there wouldn't be a song like that that would be a hit r- hit record where it had, like, a future bassy type of drop where it had all these influences. So it's like, they really... Like close that gap. Like I hear people who talk shit about chain smokers. I'm like, dude, chain smokers are fucking dope because they write like these pop tunes, or, like these EDM drops. Then you go see them live; they're playing like dub steps. Like that shit's needed. Like that—that's just gonna expand yeah. the world of EDM and just get it bigger and, and and get more people
1: into it. So I'm all for all. Yeah, that. absolutely. P- I, it, Drew, trust me. Like, yeah, you're speaking to the you're speaking to the choir. It's just there's so many things I used to think and and battled with that I'm finally like feel like I'm matured enough to like be just happy with the ride and happy with how it all came out because there's always going to be some bitterness. And I see it in younger artists. I never really made it vocal. I think Twitter is a tough one for me to watch like up and coming people tweet like they're Michael Jackson after his fourth album. I'm like, Oh my God, yeah, I want to say chill. something, but like, I get it. Yeah. It's just like, it happens. I had those feelings. I feel like you should be mature enough not to have to say those and cloud chase and do all these things. But that's it's fine it happens people want to be you know there's talented kids out there that I I completely understand it's like sometimes you know because people are technically good they get something in their head and that's where I'm right now I'm in this big battle with myself to like write songs and yeah and I guess the difference I mean is like it doesn't matter if it's I'm not talking about style too because you can write a classic legendary dubstep tune if you want it it's very difficult but it's the difference between banger of the week and i can't stop you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i'm at where i'm like dude i want to i don't care what it is i just i want to make classics like i'm really over not making things that you know don't stand the test of time and i i still have tracks in the pipeline that if i'm being honest feel a little closer to just getting it out there but some of them it's just like man i made this i want to you know how it is. When you have a song, you just want people to hear it. I don't know what it is about being a musician, but it's like, it's difficult. Maybe some people have the opposite problem. I want everybody to hear a lot of my shit. I don't know what it is. It's like, I worked really hard on this. I want you to hear it. So there's like a lot of songs like that. But
0: yeah, I'm but just also, in this- I interrupted you. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I said, there's these songs, like, you do also need those songs, so it's just like, this is just gonna be a banger for, like, six months, just so you, like, you still relevant or just stay on top of the game because, you know, everything moves so fast in the music industry now, and it's just like, if you're not, you know, putting out content, putting out music. It's like, people will forget about you, man. Even if you have that banger, you know what I'm saying? Like fucking flux couldn't be flux just on. I can't stop. You know what I'm saying? He also had to have, you know, you know, his, his, his bangers of for six month bangers or something like that.
1: Yep. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. I have, um, this is a cool little tip, I guess that I've just stumbled across with my manager. We kind of figured this out. Sometimes treating music like content is actually smart if you do it on purpose, because then people might understand and not look at it like, oh, wow, you put out this garbage tune that's just like cookie cutter. But it's like, well, I I post on Instagram and I post on Twitter all the time. I make music quick enough that I can literally shit it out. So if I feel like shitting it out and I'm telling you, hey, this isn't a classic song. I just have fun making it. Tell me it's shitty, but go hard to it at my show. You're going to love it. You'll be fine. Like, you don't have to complain and act like I have to make a legendary song every time. So I definitely agree with you where it's like, it's tough to like find that balance. But um, yeah, it goes both ways where like, it, and, and even like I said, sometimes those shitty ones can be classic and legendary without you knowing it. So that's, that's also a bonus of not, you know, I guess feeling terrible about releasing music, which is a whole other thing
0: not sure yet there's songs that you think are about to be classics right where you're like this is the fucking one everyone's gonna be all about and it's, and, then, nothing. and it's nothing everyone's just like whatever my biggest track the one that everyone knows me for is one that i put out because i needed to put a song and i was like oh fuck i need to put something out it's been a minute and i put yeah. it out and then i did I had no idea it was gonna be that it wasn't even my favorite song but it's a song it's wookworm it's the one that everyone fucking yeah. knows me by so it was just like sometimes yeah. the people like you said sometimes your least favorite can be the biggest one man it's, it's weird how it
1: works like that. Yeah. It's always, bro. So like I don't know. I'm I just make make stuff and I I don't really say this is the one anymore. I'm just like I'm I love this song and I love those songs do they pass my test that they're dope? Yes. Okay. I'll let the people decide. You know what I mean. <laughs> Hell yeah, man.
0: that's what's up, dude. Dude, so before I get into these damn uh, writing camps, you you had a football analogy, right? Are you a football fan? You know, you live out there in Florida, so are you a Dolphins fan? You a you a Tampa Bay fan? Uh, or- I uh,
1: I'm not. I'm like a poser, bro. Like I, I'm from <laughs> Pennsylvania. I'm okay. from Pennsylvania, so I'm an Eagles fan. I was in Australia touring when they won the Super Bowl, oh. and I was lit. It was so fun. I was like 9 a.m. like plastered in Australia, like, oh, I'm from Philadelphia, like going crazy. I'm not even really from Philly. You just, that's what you, you have to say, it, whatever. Um, and my girlfriend actually was a Dolphins cheerleader. So I actually own a Dolphins Jersey with her name on it and I have my Eagles Jersey. So like, that's really the only two teams I kind of support, but, um, I don't, I love soccer the most. That's like the sport I watch. I love basketball. And then I think I'd say football is like my third. I'll watch it because it's entertaining, obviously. You know what I mean? But I'm not like – I couldn't tell you a single player on like any team right now really except for obviously like, you know, the Tom Brady's and the stuff like that. I'm I'm not in it that far at all right now. I've just been out of the loop.
0: Hey there, y'all. Hope you're enjoying this episode right now. Don't go anywhere. It's coming right back. Just wanted to take a break from the show to introduce this new segment that we're doing here. And this is Redneck Stories. With Jeremy. Alright, so I'm gonna teach y'all how to hypnotize a chicken. Now, what you do with the chicken after it's hypnotized is your business and your business only, but we're gonna get to it. Alright, so you take the chicken, right, and you lay its head down on the ground like so. You hold its head like that, right? And then off the front of its beak, which would be about right there, you draw your line in the dirt that way, that way. And that way, like a damn chicken's foot, and them motherfuckers won't move. They will stay right there. And unless you move that chicken, it'll be there till it dies. So. <laughs> and now, back to the show. Well, dude, man, so what the fuck is a writing camp?
1: So, it always blows my mind. I gotta, like, oh, I, I don't know. I, I guess we'll have to, like, do some. I'll have to, like, document my own ones so i can like explain this to the edm world but i feel like a lot of people don't so back to like kind of the ghost production and co-production why i finally feel better about all these things is because i understand the inner workings of the biggest artists in the world are built off of writing camps and what that means is you you essentially just get all the best possible producers and writers you can find sometimes it's three to four or sometimes it's fucking 20 like kanye is known for having like you know, he'll take 10 studio rooms and put random as people, like Dipple has a funny story. He, there was like a hotel, they rented out hotel rooms and put him in there and he like made the shittiest beat and like said like, I don't know. It's like, I forget, he told me the story. It was just pretty funny how like, he was at a Kanye camp like a while ago. And um, like, that's the same thing that I'm going through where I'll be in the room with like two or three writers. And then, you know, you swap the next day you go in with a different writer. And then the next day you go in with the producer. And then once you've worked on those songs, you guys kind of build them up and then basically whoever you're doing them for. So for one example, there was like a major laser camp, And uh, then obviously the records go to this point. I didn't even understand who it went to because there's so many people involved. It's over my head. Um, but they kind of pick out what they think is best. Um, and like, um, I, I hear like a little of my voice. Is, is there something on that I can turn down? Oh, that's it's weird. like a little double.
0: Really? Uh, it might just be my... It's not that loud, though. Hold up. Now I'll keep talking, because my headphones might have just been too Yo. close to, your, to my microphone.
1: Oh, yeah, that might be it. Yeah, yeah, perfect, perfect. Um, so, yeah, so basically, it goes past us. where like, say it's Major Laser, Wes and Ape Drums and Walshy and the head A&Rs at the label all sit down and say, we need this song, this song, this song. Let's finish this one, this one, and let's go write three more and then they do it again. So that's just an example of like for that, you know, they probably did, I don't know, 10 writing camps, probably total to do that album, maybe more, maybe less. I wasn't a part of all of them, obviously. There's been way more and there will be more of those types of things at all, all times, but it's really cool to be a part of something like that because um, I don't know, You, I, I'm learning, even watching documentaries. So if you want to basically watch this without having to experience it, cause not everybody has that opportunity watch like a Kanye YouTube documentary or watch a, who was I watching that also? I uh, was trying to think of it. Billie Eilish isn't a good example because it's just her, and her brother. But a lot of people really do this type of collaborative effort where it's almost just opening up your palette to, you know, if you're stuck on a song and you don't know if you want to add something or you're going to take a risk and add something, but you are afraid because it's not going to sound good, that new person might do that. So it's basically the best version of it is getting songs that nobody would have created by themselves, that it's, it's like a collaborative effort. Like that had to have been magically made because of using 10 people. So the Beyonce records that everybody makes fun of like, Oh, it's her and 50 other people. Like it is, but at the same time, like that might be why some of them are amazing. There's obviously people that do with one to two people and they're amazing. I have no problem with that, but I feel like all electronic music producers are way more used to that. So that's why I suggest the other way around more and more. And I'm, I want to do it more and more because I did sit in my bedroom for years and do it by myself. I'm kind of over it. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I'm ready to be co-produced for and and produced with and written with and for and, and all the above. So it's, it's kind of like a, a next step for me to start when Corona's over my own writing camps and stuff and just start to, you know, same thing for side piece or for my rock project, I'm gonna do things like that. But it's, it, it's really all it is. You, whoever is the person obviously gets the Airbnb or the hotels or whatever you're talking about or but books the trip and you just invite. It's kind of an invitational thing. Hey, I think you're a dope producer. I think you're a dope writer, you're a dope singer. Let's all 10 of us go in a room for a week and, you know, make music for my project or for whoever's project.
0: Hell yeah, that shit's fucking dope. So yeah, are those sound camps, did y'all do them in any like dope places or anything like that? Like they take, you know, major laser camps, they take you some exotic places because they're all over the fucking place, man. How was that experience like? And to follow that up as well, you know, I played in a lot of bands growing up and sometimes being in a room with a bunch of fucking bandmates, eventually y'all motherfuckers are fighting or like just getting sick of each other. Yeah. Was, was there any of that with the, with the sound camps or what was that whole experience um.
1: like? Most of these writing camps I've been to are pretty civil. Uh the coolest one I went to with Wes was a uh, one in Bali. And then that the other major laser one we did in in Malibu. So it was like a nice, you know, California house. But then we also did one in Miami. So we did one in my hood, like really close to like where I went to um an audio engineering school. And that was fun. And then uh I've done um I've done a bunch of random ones. In, in la basically usually just because so many people are out there so that's most of the time they're there there's been obviously those few exceptions and then the rv trip was one thing that i kind of treated as like my own getaway writing camp for myself but you know it wasn't a bunch of people so i i would travel to people and and collaborate so that was kind of similar but um yeah when i was in bands too bro and like my thing wasn't even that i argued i was so fed up that i was more angry I feel like I put in more work and I wrote more music and I just did more everything Yeah, that I would be frustrated. So I knew I was like, Oh, DJing by yourself, stay well, say less. This is how, this is my, and that's exactly what happened. Like I knew, I knew if I had the opportunity to just be my own thing, I would be fine. And I just had to like kind of prove to myself. And now I feel like I'm back to, all right, let's, let's make some real crazy music and I want to collaborate with people. And that was Kind of to lead to the RV trip, question is, kind of what stemmed that. And yeah, dude. it's basically a documentary too. Yeah, so.
0: I totally agree with the whole band thing. I felt I was pissed off at the same shit. But yeah, onto the RV thing. How many days were you in that RV? Where all did you go? What was your favorite place you went? Who were you collabing with, man? Because I was seeing pictures and videos while you were out there, and it looked like a good fucking time, dude.
1: Yeah, dude, it was so fun. Um, so I went to a lot of states while wow. I went through Florida, Panama City, and then across to, like, New Orleans and stuff. Um, Then down the bottom, then to, That's like, Vegas, L.A., back up to the mountains. Yeah. Yeah, I'm New you're Orleans.
0: In Vegas? New Orleans.
1: Oh, you're in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. The craziest. That was so fun. Um, So, essentially, I told myself, like, to get my creativity because, you know, quarantine, everybody had their little, you know, we all became – fat, alcoholics, Call of Duty-holics. Like all we did was just like play video <laughs> games and eat pretty much the whole thing. So like yeah. obviously all of us lost our creativity. Yeah. Um, so that happened to me. And I enjoyed it though, because I toured for so much, like so much time, like for two years straight pretty much. So I was in the first couple of months like, this is great. I'm working out, hanging out. And then I just got into the slump where I was like, wow, I'm a fat piece of crap sitting here playing Call of Duty, not making music. So I was like, all right, I got to force myself to uh, my buddy has an RV. I'm going to rent it from him and his dad. And then he ended up actually coming with us and driving it because I didn't want to drive it. So it worked out perfectly. (laughs) Brought three of my uh, team that are do my uh, media. So anchor media, like Jeremy's like my main videographer. And then Tyler and Shane are like also videographers and photographers. So I just brought the whole crew up. And I was like, guys, I want to make a documentary about, Going through quarantine and how messed up my creativity got, and how to get it back. And we're creating a document, going on a trip and meeting up with a bunch of people and enjoying ourselves, broing it out. And we broed it out. It was rough, dude. Like, a lot of it was like, there's some hilarious scenes of us, like, you can tell, you know, when you can just see that someone smelled like shit. Like, you don't have to smell it. You can look <laughs> at us and you're like, wow, these motherfuckers are, they've been at it. So, like, We had had some little our own parties and stuff and like just like hung out, did that stuff, made a lot of music um, with uh, people like stops along the way. So Patrick Riza in Texas and then some TikTok kid Chase and um, he's in L.A. And then um, I actually met the skateboarder that went viral. His name's David and he was in like Panama City. And then I ended up meeting Bucky Lassic, who's like an OG, like Tony Hawk pro skater character. So he's like oh, a yeah. real, real OG. And in the middle of like the like you know you're close, you're more East Coast, so you know like Florida and your areas, like that's like Deep South style. Yep, yep. There's that, but California version in where Bucky Lassic lives. So it was like hicks in a sense or like the you know whatever the funny term is for that type of shit little white a little California bit more white reg- trash yep hell yeah yeah i was like there's white like but they weren't they were cool people like you know it's obviously I, i'm not trying to say I'm a, no
0: i'm a little white trash dude it's okay <laughs> like i, I know it for a fact bro <laughs> i'm white, I mean, trash I'm white so it's
1: not, it's, yeah it doesn't matter but it was just funny that um that existed, So that was a hilarious one. It was like a Tony Hawk Pro Skater level. He was a super dope guy. Like, literally, had some, I never drink beer, and I fucking cracked some open with that dude. So it was fun. Well, you don't um, drink beer? How I, are you
0: getting fat playing video games, dude? I drink no, a lot I mean, of... I
1: just... Oh, I love beer, but I, I that was... I would have been... I, I guess I didn't get fat, fat, but I got, like, for me, like, thick. just chunky. Yeah, I got thick. So my girl was loving it, but I was like, babe, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm, I'm not... I don't want to be a tubby bear anymore like this freaking i'm dieting right now for that shit but um yeah so there's so many fun like new orleans there was like a few like bars and stuff had opened up so we went you know to our to a couple like random on this what's the bourbon what's street The main bourbon street yeah 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 so i went to like bourbon street and it was actually like not like packed obviously because it was still like coronavirus but, still a good um, time though you know we yeah, we bought these pink bitch shirts. I was like, bitch one, bitch two. It was hilarious. Like, all these random things. Um, dude, oh, I'm, I'm not even from there. And you tell me I'm wrong. The best fried chicken there, to me, Willie Mays.
0: I got to try it because I'm not originally from here either. But I, I ain't tried it oh, yet. Right. Uh, I got to try it. But I've – yeah, okay. Well, now I know, dude. I know where to go
1: try next. I'm not exaggerating, too. I'm telling you, every person I've taken there since my first show in New Orleans –
0: Wait, really I think matters. I have eight there. Eight is it? Is it? It's in the business district, Costa Republic. Sounds right. I okay, may- agree, maybe, so. maybe, dude. I'll 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 eat it again if I if, if I can't remember, I'll oh, try it for show. It
1: like melts in your mouth. I don't know how to describe it. It's just like a different style of crispy, where like it the it crunches and then disappears like a cloud. You're like, like it doesn't make sense, but um, <laughs> yeah. So that was really fun. We ate that good food, and then we went to like. Moab, Utah, and we like drove these little dirt buggies around four by fours and just went in. Um, Vegas obviously was hilarious. Like it wasn't, you know, obviously everything was kind of half open, so it was tough. Like this wasn't during like, I don't remember what the worst time of this was, but um it's different now because we're kind of like in the back half of it, but this was, you know, when stuff was pretty closed down. So we couldn't really do everything, but you know, everybody still was like out there and doing stuff. Um, so we basically has, you know, we just have to, like, wear our masks and do the normal stuff as much as possible to, like, try and enjoy it. Yeah. But Vegas was fun. We had, like, a two-night binger there. We stayed in New Orleans two nights and Vegas two nights, bro. We just got lit. It was so fun. So you're <laughs> you're, out, that, you're out
0: there working. You're staying creative, but you're still on vacation, still out there having a good oh, time. Oh, no, yeah. We went in.
1: Hell I'm yeah. not going to lie to anybody. But we went in, in. And then, you know, we had those days off where uh, – I was just, it was hard. I thought it was going to be way easier to work on music, but um, turned out, like, just being on an RV for that long, dude, is just not easy. So it's, like, pretty funny how how much, like, work we did because it was just so hard to, like, on a moving RV. So I ended up, I did make a lot of music, but it's just funny how, how difficult it was because we were all <laughs> like, oh, my God, I don't feel like working. Like, we were just, you know. So, yeah, Moab, Utah was super fun. Vegas was dope. L.A. was cool just because there's so many people there. I ended up working with, you know, a few people shooting. One of the themes is I would try and make a song and shoot a music video the same day. So I did that, like, two or three times. Um, And uh, that was a kind of a challenge. But we did one in these sand dunes in uh, Denver, actually. There's outside of Denver. There's these, like, very random, huge sand dunes. I don't know why, but there is. And we climbed them, almost died, and then, like, I got – I accidentally, they told me that it was a – what did I take? Oh, it was an edible, bro, and I don't smoke anything, so I got destroyed. It was so funny, You got to be careful with those edibles, I, I was like, guys, dude. I was like, guys, this is the one that just relaxes you. And they're like, yeah, there's no THC. It's the CBD one. And I was like, oh, okay, but sh- are you sure? And they're like, yes, take it. And I ate the whole thing, and I was like – like dry mouth, just like spinning head. It was insane, bro. I was like, I hate you guys so dude, much. Dude, I, I, uh,
0: <laughs> I had a four – it was like a four-day thing because I don't – dude, I, I recently just started smoking weed again for like the for the first time in like five years, okay? And I, and I still only yeah, do it like, like, like once every two nights. Yeah, I just don't do it that much. And I still don't even know I'm back doing it. I, you know, I'll do it like once every two nights now. And I've only been doing that for two weeks. But anyway, there was like this – there was like this uh, four-day period. I played this show – for halloween and then they had these uh cbd treats they gave to all the all the artists and i think they called them cbd treats just so they could be there but they weren't cbd and and it took me it took me four days of being high as fuck to me being like, there, "This ain't CBD, y'all. I'm fucking high as hell." You know what I'm saying? Like, it took me you that took
1: four days in a row. Four <laughs> days, dude.
0: I just remember working in the studio, but like, man, this is some fucking strong CBD. The CBD kind of has me high. You know what I mean? Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly how I felt. I was like, "Am I crazy or am I destroyed right now?" Like, it was so funny. It was me and Jeremy, my, the other videographer. He took one, and we both. We're not used to that at all. It was so funny. That's Dude, we awesome. thought we were going to die in the RV. Like, going down the mountains, the brakes, like, started heating up. And then we went through snow in in the mountains. It was the scariest video, bro. It's literally, like, snow. You can't see shit. Like, I was, like, we're going to fall off the mountain and die. It was It's hilarious. The footage is so funny of us just all, like, huddled. Like, this, like, just about to die on this trip. So, there's a lot of fun, crazy shit. Made a bunch of music. And... Another point of it for me was to go get all the footage so I could score it. Cause I've always had this dream to like score and put dramatic cinematic type of music. And like, I love doing that. So I was like, "Uh, I don't have my own movie to do it for. So I guess I'll just have to make my own and then then I'll do it myself. So there's kind of like a cool balance of like, you know, I'm scoring and doing all the music in it. So everything you hear is gonna be something I created. And then I'm monologuing a little bit we're doing interviews, and then there's obviously raw footage and raw audio. So it's kind of turning into a documentary-style thing that I'm really excited to put that out. We're we're getting close to finishing it. It's been like, it's been rough. It's just a lot of footage, but we finally got it all. Yeah, y'all hitting we up Netflix, dude. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. I mean, shit. I I highly doubt that, but I, at least I'll put it on YouTube, so it'll it'll be out there. It yeah. was just for fun. I don't even care. I just wanted to do it to do it.
0: Yeah, did you get your creativity back? I mean, and that was the whole goal. Did it Did it work?
1: Yeah, dude. I mean, it definitely That's – that'll be the thesis of the whole thing and kind of we'll, we'll do some exit interviews after I think we edit of like where I'm at now and stuff like that and maybe just some extra footage to like show what happened afterwards because I definitely – and then, you know, with the Grammys and all that, it's just like we're going to have to put extra footage of like it's crazy all these things that happened during the pandemic that I can be blessed for. Dude, I want a car. All this crazy shit. Is it it's that insane. fucking
0: sick ass car that's been on your? Uh, yeah. Your, oh wow, you won that.
1: Yeah, I won a Toyota Supra and thirty grand, bro. Wow. Just Instagram, bro. I entered it. That was another one. So this one is not. I don't believe that this one was like some like you know. I didn't dream about this a million times, but I know that my intuition and my manifestation is really powerful now because I told my girlfriend I was going to win and my videographer was the instagram contest it to- just just an instagram contest what'd you have to do just like and hit a I link i bought like their merch i no, i like i spent like 100 bucks the first day and then two days before it ended there was like this extra like oh buy now and you'll do 10 percent. And i was like ah oh, shit i feel like i'm gonna win i'm gonna and i dropped 300 bucks on their merch it was actually all pretty dope stuff so i was like whatever worst case scenario i have a bunch of cool adm tuner stuff because i love cars so um Whatever it was, like, whatever I was buying it, and I told my girlfriend, I was like, Babe, I don't know why I have this weird feeling I'm gonna win. She's like, All right, she's like, Okay, all right. Told Jeremy, I was like, Dude, I think I entered this car contest, I think I'm gonna win it. I told them both, I told myself in my car, I was like, I'm gonna win that car. And then I literally got a phone call on the airplane when I was, I was doing a driving show, so I landed in uh, Chicago. And I literally got the call from the sweepstakes. And they're like, hi, is this ri-? And I, I saw the voicemail and I was like, oh my God, I missed the call from a sweepstakes. Hi, Richard, you've got some good news. And I called immediately. I was like, I, and I started smacking Jeremy. He's like across the, there's like a guy in the middle. I'm like hitting the guy to get to Jeremy. <laughs> I'm like, he's like, I started hitting him like, dude, I just want a fucking car. He's like, dude, relax. What are you I, I freaked out. It was like a funny, it was like a funny moment that I was like, dude, I don't know how I knew I knew it. And then, and then on the RV trip, there's this really cool, uh, we're saving this part, but uh, it's whatever, we're on the podcast, all good. Uh, The Grammys. Um, So Wookie is a a part, since he got nominated for a remix of the year, he's a part of the Grammys. So once you get nominated, you can vote and become a a part of the uh, Grammy voting. And he told me All My Mind was on it for the voting. And I was like, oh my God, it's in there. He's like, yeah, I voted for it. I think he has a good chance. And I was like, I was like, bro. I think I. was like, I don't know. Something's telling me this shit's gonna get nominated. Like, I really, I have this has to happen. It Has to happen. Like, and then it, it got nominated. And there's like, you know, that was on the trip that that happened. So there's a lot of crazy stuff that getting out on that trip was just pretty legendary for me. So I'm glad I did it.
0: That whole story was fucking legendary, dude. You're a fucking legend. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I, know. <laughs> I aspire to be like you, dude. I listen. We we've been going for longer than an hour, but I still have some things I want to talk to you about. So I really appreciate. Yeah, no, you, we can uh, cut down. Go ahead. Yeah, I really appreciate you uh, hanging out and talking to me about it. Uh, so, so yeah, yeah, what was it like winning a Grammy, man? So
1: I mean the the first one. So this one is obviously we don't know if we won this one yet. But the last one was for a Latin song. I didn't get anything because um, it was I produced one song with Diplo on an album that won. Gotcha. So the album won best best um, album for Latin, uh, best urban album. But I don't get anything because they don't give a Grammy to all 50 people that work on the album. They give it to the main executive producers and you know the artists and a couple other people, managers maybe. Like, a, I don't even think of managers. You literally only get like, they only give a couple of trophies. So I never, I don't have any proof really for that one, but it's just a cool thing to say, oh, I, I was part of a Grammy nominated album. And so I kind of always had this thing where I was like, I really want my own trophy. Like I want my own Grammy, I'm gonna buy a glass thing uh, and, uh, put it in there. So when we got nominated, I was in DR Dominican Republic with my girlfriend and her family. We just took like a little, like mini, um, like vacation, uh, in, in Dominican Republic. And I had to like watch the live stream of like, uh, it was Dua Lipa. I think I have the video somewhere, but it's Dua Lipa announcing like, and the nominees for best dance recording. And then I was like literally videoing it. And I think I posted on Twitter actually. So it's just me taking a video of it like just getting nominated is like, I was like, wow. And this one is like really me, like my name, side piece is on it. You know what I mean? That's my project. So it's like, it feels really satisfying to have a song that, you know, I remember every step of it. I remember making the beat. I remember when Wes put the vocal on there. I remember when me and Dylan decided to make it side piece. And then when we released like just the infantile baby steps to get there is just, you know, it, it's very gratifying for sure.
0: That's crazy, man. Yeah, some, I, I want to win a Grammy, dude. I'm going to win a Grammy one day, you know? Manifest that shit. I'm going to win a that's Grammy. It.
1: Yeah. Let's go.
0: I'm saying it right here on the podcast to you, you know? I'm going to win a ain't Grammy. ain't a joke, bro. It ain't a joke. It ain't a joke, dude. I, I, I mean it, dude. You think I'm scared?
1: Yeah. You think I'm scared, bro? I that's mean. the one. <laughs> that's dude, cool. uh, one more, one more Yo, thing. You know there's wanna, a comedy? Wait, There's a comedy again? section. There's a comedy section in the uh, Grammys, bro. You can win a Grammy for comedy stand-up and comedy music. Swear to God, I'm not making that up. Oh, I'm going <laughs> to win it for Research that. Research com- tonight.
0: I'm going to win it for comedy music. That's for damn sure, dude. I'm telling you, this album is fucking great. But, uh, <laughs> I'm going to look into that because I had no idea about that. Um, one more thing I wanted to ask you, man. Like I said, I really appreciate your time. Um, you know, you mentioned you met up with like this this TikTok guy. You know, you have been making these like TikTok dope ass TikTok videos If you just making beats like with yeah. these cool places and stuff like that. Uh did that doing things like that, because TikTok is just it's fucking own thing. It's like, you know, Instagram is integrated with Facebook. You know what I'm saying? And they're kind of like they kinda of go hand in hand, but and like there's things like YouTube where it's like its own Crowd with TikTok, it's like its own crowd. Totally different crowds on yeah. all of them. You know, how much did mm-hmm. doing all these videos help you with your growth? If there wasn't, or is it just something where it's just like, yeah, that's dope. People fuck with it, but it doesn't really do nothing for your career. Did it help your career? Did it help you growth? Like, what all did all yeah. that shit do
1: for you? Um, it's funny because my TikTok like sucks now. Like, I got like flagged. Like, I think I had my shirt off in one of them because I was like joking around, and it like flagged it. So like my plays now, it's funny, like I'm like a has-been on TikTok, right? Like I I had those couple (laughs) first ones. I was like one of the first, like I wouldn't say I was the first in the world, but I'm, I was willing to put money. I was the first like DJ because I remember everybody texting me when I, when I put those up, like everybody was like, oh, like I'm telling you before, before anybody had TikTok, I literally made those and they went viral. And I was like the TikTok DJ pretty much. So it was like a really funny thing and I was like obsessed with it. I went in um, and it, it was like such a different crowd. So not many of my TikTok fans turned into real fans. It was just my real fans found out about TikTok and my TikTok was a bunch of little kids and random people that thought I made dinky beats. So when they found my real music, they were like, we want to hear the Walgreens song. You know what I mean? So it did, you know, as much as I want to say it transferred over, I think it was just something fun. I enjoyed it. I it. For sure, I'm sure there's some type of, over. I don't have any numbers for you like oh I got a thousand fans or a hundred thousand fans but um it was just a fun thing I enjoyed and like it's tough right now because I don't my shit's like not it doesn't do anything I post it, it's just like you know nothing so like I either I gotta just be super consistent with it or um like I, I feel like I've contacted people before but it's just I don't know not in a not bad way towards TikTok because I I enjoy it but I came back to the realization. I was like, I want to be known as a great musician, not an influencer. That's that's not my goal. I don't want to be the guy. I don't, I don't even want people to remember me as a TikTok DJ. So I was low key, like, whatever, I did it for a second. It's not, nobody's going to be like worried about it. So not that I have anything against influencing or people that make content like that because i did it trust me i'm shameless bro i'll literally do anything but
0: <laughs> me too bro i'll to... do anything especially if i'm drunk yeah i don't
1: care yeah exactly <laughs> we just have a couple beers pbrs we're in this fish god um,
0: damn dude you got the, you got it, the right idea my dude you got the right idea <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll have to drink some pbrs when we finally hang out in person then hell
0: yeah uh, dude that sounds like a good ass time i'm all about it oh <laughs> uh, yeah well look man I really appreciate you coming on the show. I've wanted to have you on for a minute. Been a big fan. Respect, respect the fuck out of you and everything you do, man. So it really means appreciate a lot you coming it. on the show, having this conversation. It was a great conversation. I had a lot of fun with it, man. And uh, I
1: appreciate you, bro. Thank you, man. Same to you. Great, great talk, man.
0: That was Mr. Nitty Gritty, everybody. He's the fucking man. I told y'all. He is the fucking man. Glad I could get him on the show, man. I've been wanting to have him on for a minute. Glad we could do it, dude. Hope everyone stays good out there. I'm gonna try to stay good. Hopefully this COVID don't kick my ass. But if it if it takes me, all right, I might have had it coming. I've talked, I've made way too many COVID jokes. You know, I've talked a lot of shit. Just joking. You know, not meaning anything. You shouldn't take anything I say to heart. But if it takes me, just know, smack that by Akon is gonna be played at my funeral, or it's gonna be magical because everyone's gonna be like. Really sad. And then it's going to play. Half the people are going to be like, yeah, that's just Mitch. And the other half are going to be crying like, why? Why is this this playing? And then I'll just be laughing in heaven. (laughs) I don't know. I love y'all, man. Y'all be good. Take care of each other. Oh, don't. Do what you want. I don't give a shit. Actually, I care. I do care. But you shouldn't let me tell you what to do. You should just have a good day and a good week because you want to do that. And if you don't, fuck it, skank. Fuck it, skank. I don't know. I'm out of here. I'm going to go lay in bed. Love y'all. Bye.